Welcome to Magic and Mayhem. Discover the secrets to creating magnificent books for kids and teens. Magic and Mayhem is a free podcast and ebook series brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. If you're interested in writing for kids and teens, join us on a journey that's set to inspire and enhance your own writing skills. Download your free Magic and Mayhem ebook at magicandmayhem.com.au. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm founder of the Australian Writers' Centre and I'm so thrilled to bring you this curated series of interviews. You'll hear from picture book authors, chapter book authors, middle grade authors, young adult authors and also from publishers in the children's writing industry. So you'll get a wonderful overview on how to write books for kids and teens. Nova Wheatman has been writing professionally for 20 years, starting out writing for film and television, and more recently she has turned her hand to middle grade and young adult fiction. Coming from a screenwriting background, Nova has a really professional attitude to her work. She has a separate space and she sits at her desk for six hours a day. For some people, that sounds like a dream. For others, a nightmare. But when it's your job, you can't afford to have writer's block or anything like that, so you have to just write. This is a really lovely interview and Nova is so open and honest with Alison Tate from the Australian Writers' Centre about some of the challenges of writing. So I hope you enjoy it. Nova Wheatman has been writing for 18 years as a screenwriter on everything from short films to Neighbours, as a writer of short fiction and non-fiction published in Overland, Kill Your Darlings and Fairfax Media, to name a few, and as the author of two middle grade books and two YA novels. Her latest work, The Secrets We Keep, is a middle grade novel and is her fifth book. Welcome to the program, Nova. Thank you, Alison. Did you like my intro? It sounded all right. I did. I love it. <laughs> all right. So let's start with the screenwriting thing. How did you become a screenwriter in the first place? Oh, how did I become a screenwriter? Um, I was at uni studying psychology because my parents were horrified that I wanted to be a writer and they wanted me to have a, a backup career. Oh, yes. And a friend of mine came to me and said, write me a short film because you're the only writer I know and I want to put it in for funding. So I did. And ironically, we got the money and found ourselves on the Eastern Freeway in the middle of the night with stunt drivers and safety officers and shooting a short film. Very exciting way to start your career at the age of 21. That's hilarious. But did you not think, like, did you know how to go about writing a screenplay? No, I had absolutely no idea at all. So I borrowed a book. did you borrow? Tell us. I can't even remember. It's like 20 years ago. But I just borrowed some books and basically sort of threw it, threw myself into it and went, I can write a screenplay. It can't be that hard. It's a bit of dialogue, a bit of big print. But you look back at it now and it's quite amazing because it's so, it's so sort of floral. It's so overwritten as a screenplay. You know, it's so that all the big print's beautiful sounding, like someone actually would want to read it as a piece of work, which of course never happens. No one wants to read your screenplays as a piece of writing. So... I clearly had no idea what I was doing, but it worked as a film, so, yeah. And so that was the beginning of your screenwriting career, your first film? Yes, basically. And then that, so that went on and screened on TV. SBS, I think, put money into it as well. So that sort of screened on television. And then as a result of that, I started working at Neighbours as a writer. At which... Neighbours. So you wrote one short film and then there you were at Neighbours. I wrote one short film and then I wrote another short film, but I was writing for Neighbours. Yeah, so I got some work on Neighbours 
and that was a really good way to learn how to write quickly and without any sort of preciousness. And I think that actually is a really good um, sort of training ground for a young screenwriter, just to go, oh my God, people are just going to change whatever they like and I have no real control over that. And that's that's kind of a good thing, I think. Mm. But it's also really quick from the point of, from the time when you write the first script to when it ends up on air, um, it's a much faster process than writing film, obviously. So that's quite, that was quite exciting for me to kind of know all my work is on television and everyone's very excited about that because it's they can sort of see that you're actually doing something that they that is measurable unlike short film that no one really cares about sadly (laughs) and the question we must ask at this point is did you finish the degree Nova I did I I did finish my psychology degree and uh, then I did a postgrad in creative writing and editing so ah there you go and you became yeah. the writer that your parents never wanted you to be. <laughs> I think they, I think they were okay with me becoming a writer as long as they, they they just thought I needed some sort of backup. But the irony is, you you don't you don't go on and do masters in psychology when you're 22, and now it's too late. So I could never actually use it for anything anyway, other than you know sort of pretending that I knew what people were thinking, which was always very fun at parties. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, how did you then transition from screenwriting work to novels? Like, what made you go, I'm going to write a novel? Uh, okay, so I was writing, I worked on H2O as a storyliner, which every teenager I tell that to is so excited about because they clearly love that original Mermaid series. So I was working on that and then I wrote a lot of kids' animation wow. and I was writing my own feature films and trying to get them made and documentaries and whatnot and I loved all of that and I started developing a TV series called Dark Pines which with a friend of mine which came very close to getting made, was for kids. But the problem with making kids TV in Australia is no one will let you make dark, real television. And I found it very frustrating because what I wanted to write was dark and real and what we were being told to make was sort of aimed at eight-year-olds. So I decided I'd write a book instead because then I could explore whatever I liked. So I wrote Haunting of Lily Frost. Right. And so so how long ago was that that you sort of started that process? Um, That was probably about maybe, maybe six years ago. Um, and I wrote the first draft, and because I'd never written, I'd written two adult novels, mm. um, which had sort of got close to being published and then didn't get published, but I'd never written a YA novel before, and I wrote, because it was a genre book, it sort of has to be scary, it has to have some sort of drama in it, mm. and I wrote this first draft, and it was really boring and really dull, and had no kind of, um, no story arc to it at all. So I took all the elements and wrote it the way I would write a film and plotted it the way I would write a plot of film and then it suddenly had a sort of structure that worked as a ghost story. Um, okay, yeah. so so the screenwriting background for you was a help rather than a hindrance when it came to writing novels? Definitely, yeah. And it, because of the plot aspect, is that...? I think because of the plot and also I think it makes you really appealing to publishers because you're not... Because you're really used to editing, you're really used to rewriting, you're really used to being, uh, to having other people have a say over your work, and so you're not possibly as precious as you would be had you not come through that. It's sort of like you're blooded, really, when you're a TV writer. Like yeah, you've been you, bashed you around just, the head a few times. Yeah, yeah, you have, and you really have to have um, no sort of no ego almost and I was just so grateful that someone wanted to publish my book they could have done anything with it really to be honest write it. I don't mind. Yeah, do what you like change my name I don't really mind um yeah so I think no I think it was definitely it was definitely a help having written tv and film when you're writing a genre book because it does have to be a really kind of big narrative arc 
So okay. that definitely helped. Yeah. So how long did it take from sort of, you know, from that initial, right, I, I can't get this made as, a, as TV, I'm going to write a novel, from that moment to the actual, you know, published book? Um, so I think I'd written a draft and then I saw that Cameron's, the agency in Sydney, were looking for new YA writers to take on. And so I sent them a really early draft and it okay. was shabby. It was pretty rough, but they liked it. They saw something in it. And so they signed me on and shopped it and UQP were, yeah, took it on, took it on, on the basis of that. And it, I definitely rewrote, I probably did four drafts from that process. Mm -hmm. So it was probably maybe 18 months between when... Cameron's took me on and when it came out. Okay. All right. So now I was a little bit interested to learn because, you know, I had, uh, we met at Somerset la uh, last year. Was that last year? Yep. Was it only yeah, last, year, last year? That moment yeah. in our lives. Um, I and I, I knew that you had written um, a couple of novels at that point, but I, I thought that The Secrets We Keep, which is your new novel, was actually your third book, but it's actually your fifth. So I was interested to learn that you had two books in the Choose Your Own Ever After series, which is a middle grade series. Um, how did you come to be involved in that series? Oh, I think what happened was Hardy Grant had been interested in Lily Frost, but there'd been kind of a muck up in terms of, I didn't know how interested they were. And so I emailed the publisher and said, you know, I'd really love to do a book with you guys. And it just happened that they were looking at developing a series, the Choose Your Own series, and they felt like my, my writing, even though I'm writing YA sometimes, it sits quite young, I think, in the YA category. It's not it's not older YA, it's quite young, close yeah. to middle grade kind of voice. Yeah. Um, so they felt like I could probably write um, the, one of the Choose Your Own books. So I had to come up with a structure, and that, again, was where television really helped, having yeah. written TV. Yeah. They are such hard books to write. They are so structured. Yeah. And I think if you're... If you're coming from like sort of storylining television, it just makes sense to you to have all these options that all tie up neatly. It's yeah. sort of the way your brain works; it sort of fits. Yeah. And I had to pitch, so I had to pitch a story to them that they felt would work, and I did. And I was writing that first Choose Your Own, uh, Hot Cold Summer, at the same time I was doing Louis Frost. So it was oh, this really? weird process working with two really different publishing houses and two really different editing processes. And it was really good, actually. It was a really fun, yeah, it's really fun time. Well, how did you manage that then? Were you did you did you keep them completely separate? Like today, I'm going to work on this one, and then tomorrow I'll do that one. Or did you mix it up more? How did how did you manage the the two different projects at the same time? Um, I think because they're such different processes and such different projects, I would sort of. Although I do, I, I get, I think I get really bored working on something and I quite like having a lot of things on the go at the same time. So I'd work on Lily Frost until I was bored with it and then I'd go to Hot Cold Summer and then I'd do sort of back and forth. Yeah. And Hot Cold Summer, because of the way you write a choose your own, it's, it's very chapter driven and very kind of almost episodic. Yeah. So you could, you could write one story through and then sort of finish that that sort of whole storyline and then actually have to do the next one the next day. It kind of has quite a natural rhythm to it, the way you write it, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's an interesting process. I, I was trying to think. I'm sitting here trying to think how I would go about writing one of those, and I I don't know. <laughs> no, they're good, but they're really fun. Like they're weirdly fun to write because you get to, and especially the way those ones are structured, because they're they're not. They've only got eight endings. They haven't got. You know, some of the choose your owns have a lot of endings, so you don't actually get into the story enough. But these mm. ones are written with quite a lot of story in each of the storylines. Wow. Um, 
So you get to develop all the characters and all the story threads and you get to play out all those choices that you wanted to make when you were that age. You know, yeah, which boy yeah. do you choose? Which party do you choose? Like, I loved all that stuff. So. Yeah, I could hear that in you. I still love it. It sounds like too many decisions for me. I'd be, I'd be like, paralysed. <laughs> so it's super fun. And it was really light. Like, it was really nice writing something light and fun and really, I don't know, playful, I guess. Like, yeah, I guess and, when you're... And, when, yeah. you're, when you're contrasting that with The Haunting of Lily Frost, it's sort of like yeah. a bit of a, a break for your brain, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's emotional. It's like it's kind of playing in that emotional space, which is really nice for that age group, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so you've got the two YA books, which is The Haunting of Lily Frost, which came out in 2014, and Frankie and Jolie, which came out in 2015, uh, yeah. both of those young adult. And now with The Secrets We Keep, you're back in that middle grade territory. Now, you talked about the fact that your voice you was probably at the lower end of the YA sort of you know yeah. spectrum. But how, as a writer, how would you describe the differences between writing for those two age groups? Like what... What are the things that you keep in mind when you're, you know, setting out to write a middle grade versus a YA novel? Uh, I think when I was writing The Secrets We Keep, it felt very much like it was um, first person, um, really immediate voice. Uh, kind of, despite the fact that there's a lot of secrets in the story, I, I found her very, she's a, quite a transparent character in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, she's upfront. She's she's honest to a point I think whereas when I'm writing YA there's much more room for um I guess sort of layers to the to the voice the the writing middle grade just feels much more honest I think Mm. so more of a straightforward sort of yeah I guess more straightforward more straightforward emotionally so Mm. and and less sort of cluttered like just a, just a much sort of more straightforward through line, I think, to the sort of story and the and the way the characters think about things. And are you having to think of... about language choices? And are you you know is is that sort of stuff a is that a a um what's the word I want a concern for you or is it you know do you just you you know you're using the what you consider to be the right word no matter what you're writing? Yeah, I didn't think about it with this book at all. I just wrote. Um, and The Secrets was actually the easiest book I've written in. I wrote it really, the first draft really quickly and then I only really wrote a second draft. I didn't, um, I didn't write, I often write heaps of drafts with YA but this book was really quick to write and I think the voice just came really easily, the character came really quickly. My 11-year-old daughter had quite a hand in the kind of emotional storyline mm. of the character so it just felt like it worked um, really simply for me and maybe it is my natural voice maybe that's my natural age group that I like writing for mm. um, but I think uh, I've been really surprised by how sophisticated that 10 plus readership is when they're reading and I think they can read you know really complicated emotional storylines and get it so I, I didn't certainly didn't look at making it simpler or yeah so uh, just uh, just tell us a little bit about The Secrets We Keep because I do sense um, that it's quite a personal novel for you. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, so it's about uh, a, 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 the character of Clem Timmons whose mother essentially has depression and burns the family house down. Um, that, that obviously didn't happen. I didn't burn a house down. And I haven't had depression, but my partner did. And so it was written very much for... Um, because I felt like my kids didn't have a way into understanding what depression was 
and how how it affects a family. So mm. I, I wrote it with my daughter and she had a very big hand in telling me how Clem felt about having a mother with depression. Oh, okay. Um, it wasn't actually, I didn't actually write it with any real expectation that it would be published. It was more an exercise for the two of us to work through what was going on in our house. Mm. And then it just worked as a story really naturally. So, Yeah, it was interesting because uh, you did acknowledge your daughter in the acknowledgements as being a, a driving force in the book and also in just, you know, even that sense of just asking for the next chapter and, and, and you know, keeping the project on track and getting it done. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously was it was just like an important and personal project for the two of you to do together. It was so it was at the heart, at the kind of height of when my partner's um, depression was happening, mm. and I would go to the office and I would write during the day, and I'd come home every night, and my daughter would read the two or three thousand words I'd read written that day, and she it was I think just a really good way for her to go. This is what Clem's feeling because she was I think struggling with being able to say what she was feeling about the whole thing because it was yeah. so hard for her to say, you know, I'm furious at Dad or I'm hurt or I'm angry or, I, you know, I wish he wasn't here or whatever those feelings were. Yeah. She didn't feel... She felt dishonest, I think, naming those feelings herself, but she could definitely talk about them from the perspective of Clem. Yeah. And so I think it was really great for her. It was really great for the two of us, I think, just to have this project that was something outside what was going on in the house. Mm. Um, yeah. So, I can feel your psychology degree coming through. Here. I know, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> See, everything See, it all folds back in, it doesn't does. it? Life? Everything is useful. <laughs> all right, so maybe tell us a little bit about your writing process. Like, what what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, um, uh, okay. So my studio is between my house and the kids' school. So I take the kids to school, and I walk back, and I go, I get a coffee, and then I go upstairs to the studio, and I generally just write like for six hours. And oh, then so I've you've got, got a separate space to go to. I've got a separate space, and it is fantastic. And there's probably twenty or thirty filmmakers, writers, artists in this big space. Wow. Everyone's really diligent. No one talks much. Everyone's working a lot. It kind of makes you feel like you have to do stuff. Wow. And <laughs> you go there great. six hours a day and write. Yeah, I go there pretty much every day. And I write, yeah, I write either during school hours or if my kids are getting picked up by my partner, then I'll work longer. So, okay. But it's certainly changed how much I work, like having a separate space. It's really good. And are you working on, are you always working on multiple projects or are you working on, you know, like, what, like for instance, what are you working on at the moment? I've got another YA coming out in October. Ooh. So I've been doing that. And weirdly, it's based on the short film that I wrote, the first short film project I wrote. Oh, about, so that, that project is about two boys, two teenage boys who throw a rock off a freeway overpass and it hits a car. Oh, and Christina Schultz at UQP heard me talk about that at Somerset last year, and she said, "I want that book." Mm, I so, want that book too. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing, and it's what I've done with it, and it's been a hellish project because I've decided to run it backwards. So it starts at the end oh. with one of them in prison, and it runs back through the four months that led them to this, you know, this end, I suppose, oh. to the beginning. And it's been. I've never. I'm not good at structure. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done in terms of structure, and it's because it's two boy voices. It's not. It's not. They're not. You know. So it's been a big learning curve for me to write boy protagonists. I think. When you say you're not good at structure, in, in, <laughs> I'm finding that like you know because you know, we talked about the fact that you what, what which aspects of structure do you struggle with? I think I struggle with 
um, that the big picture stuff. I'm really, I really, what I love about writing is the small moments, and I right. think um, big story arc stuff, which is I think why I rely so often on like sort of filmic techniques. I get really bogged down in um, trying to understand it and trying to see it as a big picture. I just my brain doesn't think like that. It all thinks in little tiny moments, and so it's writing a story that ran backwards with two protagonists and alternating voices where they had to keep crisscrossing each other. It was just, I had maps all over the office and I would, I rewrote that book like 13 times and that just doesn't, it just is such a hard thing for me to get my head around. So, And yeah. how did you, so you said that the diff, the boy, because obviously, you know, most of your um, narrative voices have been girls. Yep. How did you go about sort of capturing that boy voice and to get two of them? Two know, of them, I know, and that, and it's so much about their friendship. Like, it's about their friendship dissolving this story. It's not so much about what they do, but it's about what they do having an impact on who they are as people. I emailed all the boys I knew, teenage <laughs> boys I knew, and just grilled them about everything they did. And I sent them lots of kind of bits of the story to try and get a sense about whether it was working. I had to learn about skateboarding lingo because there's quite a bit of skateboarding stuff in there. Um, and it was really fascinating because what they talk about is, you know, it's just different, I think, to what my memories of being a 15-year-old girl was. You know, mm. one of them was like, I come home from school every night and I have a bath. And when I'm with my friends, we just talk about skateboarding. We don't talk about... And it was just, it was really interesting to kind of work out what they... Yeah, so hopefully it's worked. I don't know. Were you skulking around skate parks, like eavesdropping? <laughs> no. Because that's what I, I would do. <laughs> yeah, I... I um I've got a few friends who've got teenage boys who are massive skateboarders. So, right. but pretty much the words are the same words that we use when we were, you know, hanging out in skate parks in the eighties. So, <laughs> Age that much? I don't. Think. I don't. You still you still chuck an ollie or whatever it is. You do you chuck know? an ollie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a person does chuck an ollie, I believe. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, so um all right. So you've got a you've got a novel coming out in October. So you've obviously been editing and doing that. Are you are you still are you working on other things at the moment as well? Like, I'm just wondering if you, when you're working on lots of different things, do you um, experience writer's block or do you ever have, you know, you know, if you go to a studio and write for six hours a day, this is obviously not a thing for you. No, I don't. I um, Well, I haven't so far been stuck because I think, um, I think actually the benefit to me for me of writing every day means that I'm not stuck. I think if I spend too much time thinking, I... I just discover that I like doing other things and then I get a bit kind of like I I really need to push through that feeling of oh, I can't be bothered writing today and if I do then I, I'm usually kind of quite surprised by the fact that there's ideas bubbling. Um, I really want to write, I've started writing an adult novel which will probably take years but I really want to, I've written a lot of adult short fiction and I'd really like to develop something in that, you know, in an adult kind of yeah, voice, mm. um, and I want, and I'm starting thinking about another middle grade because I've really loved working with that age group. So there's kind of I've got lots of things on the go. And, yeah, and I've been doing. I've just written a, a, a um, show about the Chelsea Garden Show for Foxtel, which has been really interesting. Oh, I love the Chelsea Garden Show. It was the best project. It was so much fun. It was Do like you know, a one hour, you know, about Australia's attempt to get a gold medal at the Chelsea Flower Show. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. I um, um, yeah. when I worked at Homes and Gardens in London back in the nineties, I um I got to go. We had a stand, and I oh. got to actually be there 
there on the day that the Queen was there and the whole thing. It was very I exciting. I, and I was trying to get them to take me, but they were like, we don't really need the writer there, actually. Like, oh, come on. Come on. But they wouldn't take me. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, so uh, now your partner is also a writer, a playwright. Is yes. it difficult having two writers in the house? Uh, no, it's actually really good. And he he's interesting because he doesn't really read. He doesn't um, read? No, he doesn't really. He's not, he doesn't read novels. And mm. so it's, it's always like that thing of going, are you ever going to read my books? But, <laughs> but what is fascinating about him is and he is really good at big picture narrative, like at that big sort of structural stuff. And quite often I'll say to him, this is what I'm doing, what's wrong with it? And he'll be able to fix it through a conversation, often without even reading it. Oh. And he did actually read the backwards book and he fixed it really oh. simply. So he's got a... So he, we do talk quite a bit about... I probably talk to him more than he talks to me, but we do talk quite a bit about story and we do all usually read each other's work. And it's good. I think it's just nice because you kind of get how frustrating and weird it is. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really... And, you know, playwriting, whew, you think novel writing's crazy in this country? Playwriting's like... <laughs> that's, that's insane. <laughs> it's like one up from being a poet, I think. You know, oh, it's like hey. that's just so hard. It's so hard, yeah. Do you, when you start, you know, you're saying that you, you know, you had the idea with the kids. I mean, you obviously started that book from a short film, but do you do you start with just an idea and start writing or uh, do you use your script writing techniques of, you know, storyboarding the whole thing before you start to, to fill in the pictures? No, I usually write a really bad first draft based okay. on so you just bash no it out. structure. Yeah, I just bash it out, and I'm really quick. The first draft's always really quick, and I usually have kind of no idea where the story's going, or I might have a rough idea where I want it to end. But mm. with the secrets we keep, I had no idea where that story was going to go. I just started writing it, and it just sort of took its own natural shape. Um, I might start with a sort of idea of something that I want to explore, but that, I, yeah, I'm, I write lots of drafts and get closer and closer each time to what it should be. Mm. And how do you promote your work? Are you doing a lot of school visits or, you know, are you online? I mean, you know, you're obviously writing a lot. So when when and how do you fit in the um, the other aspect of an authorial life? It's really hard, isn't it? You it think you spend so much of your time <laughs> doing... Yeah, I've done lots of school visits the last couple of weeks and... I did. I, t- I went and spoke last night to a middle grade book club who'd studied my book at a bookshop, and it was just one of those things where I was like, "Oh, I can't be bothered doing this." And then I got there, and these kids—so it was grade fours to sixes—and they'd all read *Secrets We Keep*, and it was boys and girls, and their take on it was just so beautiful. It was one of those things where you go, "Oh, this is why I'm doing this." That's right. I forgot mm. that there was a reason to all of this craziness. Mm. So, lots of school visits that take an awful lot of time to prepare, but um. Yeah, they're good, aren't they, school visits, I think. Oh, they're great. Yeah. yeah. They're really good. Yeah. Um, do you do much, uh, you know, sort of, you know, are you looking at, are you sort of, you know, tweeting or doing Facebook or <laughs> are you doing any author platform stuff, Nova? I'm not very good at all of that, am I, Alison? Well, I, I do tweet a lot, but I'm not particularly good at it. I, um... You've come on significantly since we first met. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I thought I should try and I, I actually I'm from my my Twitter world seems to be sort of better at actually sort of making friends with other children's writers than it does speaking to anyone other than that. But um But that's half I am, the 
thing with Twitter is the networking aspect and yeah. supporting each other's work and you know all yeah. of that sort of thing. I think that's. I am trying. Valuable. I'm trying to be better at that, but I, it's not a natural. I don't find it naturally kind of easy. So. Is it something that your publisher likes you to do? Uh, I don't think they mind uh, either way. No, I don't think so. I think they like. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I've got quite a good few good contacts down here with bookshops, so I do quite a bit of that sort of stuff. Oh, great. Um, but I probably could be doing more. You know, I'm not very good at sort of going around and signing books in all the bookshops and stuff like that. I, I get really embarrassed by all of that stuff, and I know I have to be better at that, but it's not doesn't come naturally. Okay, so it's on the to do list. Must, must <laughs> do better. Yeah. 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 Must do better. Yeah. <laughs> must do better. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now, um, uh, we will finish up our interview for today. We could chat all day, but uh, we probably don't need to to make this into a four and a half hour podcast. Um, so we finish up with our um, the last question I ask everyone, which is, what would your top three tips for aspiring writers be? And now you're wishing I'd warned you about this, aren't you? Yeah. I, know, I, I think I reckon, like, the, the, the sort of old favourite is try and write every day because I mm. actually think, you know, it is a craft and it is a skill and it is something that improves the more you do it. As mm -hmm. much as you think you're good at it to start out with, you realise how far you've come a few books down the track. Yep. Um, understand that you will write and you will rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and that is okay. It's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because it's just going to get better and better. Just on that, how do you know when you're done though? If you're rewriting and rewriting and rewriting, like you were saying you've done 13 drafts of your current work, yeah. how do you know when, you, when, when the draft is ready? Um, I, I really believe that you can read you can read something and if you're honest about if you're honest with yourself about it and not just being lazy because I think so, I think I used to be really lazy and I think I used to be quite arrogant and think I could just bang it out in a couple of drafts mm. and I've now learned that I can read a book and go my my work and just sort of look at it really critically and say does this feel like it's holding together and making sense of all the things that I want it to make sense of. I, mm. I think I can be quite critical and quite honest with myself and with this one I definitely knew up until that last draft that it just wasn't right okay. and now it feels like it's at least in a space where it can go to an editor you know and there's still going to be changes <laughs> but at least, at, least it's, at least I've been able to hand it over which has been really nice so all right so that's your so that's you've got two tips one. yeah what's your third uh, tip my third tip is uh don't be afraid just be Try and be fearless. I think that's the best thing about getting older. It's just I feel much more fearless as a writer and publicly doing speaking and all of that sort of stuff. I just feel like I can... Don't, don't think about who's going to read it. Just write the best story that you can. And don't be afraid of reviews or readers or anything. Just write it for you, maybe. Oh, that's not a very good tip, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think don't be afraid is an excellent tip. I, yep. It's a it's a really good one because I think that sometimes self-consciousness and fear of what other people are going to think and all of those sorts of things hold us back from being completely honest. And I think, yep. as you say, like complete honesty when you're writing things about what you really think about stuff is probably going to bring your voice out a lot more than yep. if you're trying to hold back. Yeah. Definitely. Excellent tips. Thank you very much for your time today, Nova. Um, we really appreciate it. And best of luck with um, 
with the new book, which you told me earlier has just gone to reprint, which is fantastic news. So congratulations on that. Good. Very Thank exciting. You. And um, yes, we'll um, hopefully we'll be seeing it um, a lot more. Thanks. All right. Excellent. Take care. <laughs> Bye. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, and I'm the internationally published best-selling author of two epic adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles and The Adaban Cipher. My books are available in Australia, the US, the UK, and other territories, and are perfect for young readers aged nine or older. Find out more about me and my books at alisontate.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T dot com. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd like to write fiction for kids and teens, our five-week online course, How to Write for Children and Young Adults, will help you get there faster. Find your voice, create characters, dialogue and plots to fit your age group and write compelling stories that young readers will love, all in a couple of hours a week. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning from anywhere and get your very own tutor providing personal feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. Don't be afraid. I love it. That's what Nova said. And it's true. The very first person you have to write is for you. I really like how open Nova is to revisions. As she said, her screenwriting background means she's not precious about input from her editors. I definitely think that it's a skill that all writers need to learn. Okay, one or two of you may be brilliant all on your own, but the rest of us need that input. We need someone with a bit of distance to tell us how our story could be even better. And these are professionals who are giving you their opinion. So there's kind of two sides to being fearless. One, you have to be brave enough to write your story. Then two, you have to be fearless about getting feedback. It's all part of the process. If you want to connect with me personally, feel free to connect with me on Instagram. Uh, But most of that is actually about my art. However, feel free to connect with me on Facebook as well. A great place to hang out, though, is our podcast group for listeners of our regular podcast called So You Want to Be a Writer. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. It's free and we'd love to have you in there.